0: Andy, do you feel that the public has insulted your art? Uh, no. Why not? Uh, well, I hadn't thought about it. It doesn't bother you at all then? Uh, no. Well, do you think that they've shown a lack of appreciation for what pop art means? Uh, no. Andy, do you think that pop art has sort of reached the point where it's becoming repetitious now? Uh, yes. Do you think it should break away from being pop art? Uh, no. Are you just going to carry on? Uh, yes, yes. Pop art, op art, underground movies, call it what you will, these two are the leaders. No party in New York is considered a
1: success unless they are there. Why did you decide to do pets? Uh, well, I got tired of doing people. Are there any famous people you haven't met you'd like to meet? No, no. You've met them all. Oh no, no. (laughs) Just some nice horses.
0: Some nice horses you haven't met yet? Yeah. You like meeting animals.
1: Can nobody tell me nothing nothing After a brief conversation, she drew a weapon and fired and shot Mr. Warhol. and then with the gun she exited by way of the elevator and she's disappeared up at the present time. Warhol's arrival at his London gallery is like a royal progress. The enfant terrible become grand old man of modern art. But would he reveal much of what is behind the enigmatic image? This is the first sort of major series of self-portraits for quite a long time. What prompted this one? Uh... I don't... It's just... I ran out of ideas. Ain't nobody tell me, now? Anyway. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> I, I was, I've always thought an artist
0: carries a certain amount of emotion <laughs> into a painting. Can you do that in pop art? Uh, yes, yes.
1: I guess we'll do it that way. Johnny Two,
2: and we back, and we back. And we back. What's up, my boy? Ah, the cool crisp of a LaCroix. Ah. Ah. What a week, John. Oh boy.
0: What a week indeed. Well, let's jump right in, Uncle Zay. What's tell, going tell on? Tell me about your No, I wanna know I wanna know all about your week. Okay. Um I'm trying to think back in time. Well, the the highlight of the week, of course, was Easter.
2: Listen to a little Keith is, Green. Is that an? Of, is <laughs> is that an? Of course.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah, for Great. sure, man. S- Dutiful of you. I I'm a Greek.
0: You know, we we celebrate okay. all kinds of all kinds of holidays. My bro did came you down to slaughter a lamb. My dad did cook and kill the fatted calf. Wow. My bro came down from Jersey. Shout out to my brother. Excellent. Found out he's a podcast listener.
2: Ooh. Made,
0: made me extremely nervous. Oh, boy.
2: Did he have any thoughts?
0: <laughs> yeah, he said, if you tell one more story about me, dot, dot, dot.
2: Do you ever get ne- negative feedback? Um, I get almost no feedback. Mm. Mm.
0: <clears throat> so mm. not really. He was really yeah. complimentary, you know. Um, high praise. I mean, he's
2: he's listening.
0: <laughs> yeah, begrudgingly. No, yeah. I don't think so.
2: No, no, I don't think so. Um, so,
0: yeah, we had a big old Easter party, man. All the kids were out. Hiding eggs, collecting eggs, eating eggs, eating candy. It was great. Mm-hmm.
2: All the pagan rituals.
0: Yep. Yep. We uh, sacrificed Perfect. one of those children to Moloch at the end of it, just to make sure our crops were good next year.
2: What, who's he the god of? Oh, sorry. How politically incorrect of me. How? What kind of a god is it? Thank you. What is it, it the god of? I was
0: just about to start screaming. Um, I think <laughs> it's a... Malevolent god of uh, chaos. I actually don't know what Moloch is the god of. I have a a, a funny segue actually from that. Ooh. That was the sound of a Segway running into a tree.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't did we talk about how the guy who bought Segway died on one? He died on a Segway. He, he ran off a cliff. cliff. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. I think you told me that. Anyway, funny Segway. <laughs> that was him falling down a cliff um,
0: splattering he was murdered right I mean this is one of those like, by, the, by his segue arrival yeah like it's the guy who makes the um car engine that can run on water you know you ever heard this conspiracy no. theory that back in the day a guy invented a, an engine that could just run on normal water hmm. and he immediately got a knock on the door and they shot him
2: I'd kill that guy We can't have progress like that. Are you kidding me? We can't handle that shit. He's going to stir up everything. Somebody at the gas station down the street got
0: shot over like 300 bucks worth of pot a year or two ago. jeez. You're telling me that big oil, which is worth trillions probably over the course of the next
2: 50 years, they're not going to kill some dummy? Oh, I mean, no, dude. I think trillions probably in the next few years. Yeah, very likely. Yeah. Anyway, what was the segue? So the segue... was uh I don't I don't get tons of feedback but I get some mm. and mm. I got a little feedback about uh a, a an author that I quoted last week Nuh-uh. and it was not Walt Whitman yeah a few people I I uh, a few people to varying degrees said something to the effect of oh the alt Jordan Peterson the alt right guy mm. and I actually don't know much about Jordan Peterson, nor do I feel like I need to know much about Jordan Peterson to read a book that he wrote Mm -hmm. because my defense was kind of like basically what I was saying to people. And, you know, a couple of people were kind of joking. And I think a couple of people had real concerns. I did edit this out. I'll leave this in. But we
0: actually mentioned the fact that he was controversial in our conversation. I I did cut it out just because it didn't fit with the rest of the conversation. But, um,
2: I think it's pretty clear at this point in the podcast that you and I care about protecting the rights of people who cannot speak for themselves. And I think the idea of the alt-right to me is from what little I can tell is not really in line with that. And what I like about the book is that Jordan Peterson, regard. I don't know what he's said about gender and all that kind of stuff. I don't read every single thing about every single person because at the end of the day, and this is more generally, I think, even ties in kind of uh, with, the, with the general theme of this episode. And I even titled the episode this, John. Don't sugarcoat yeah. me, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, don't. I, don't need, I don't need people to tell me what my reading list is, mm. you know? And I don't need to read authors who are not controversial because I don't care if Jordan Peterson is a flaming, crazy racist. If he says things on certain subjects that I find extremely relevant and thought-provoking, I'm going to read his shit. Because you know what? I read a lot of other shit by a lot of other people who were way, way, way more bigoted than anybody, probably, who's writing anything that any of us are reading right now. Because that's what most of the world has been. Now, that's not an excuse. I want to be very clear. No one take this out of context. I'm not excusing anyone's behavior. And I'm not saying that... People should not be held accountable for what they say, but I do feel very strongly that I don't need, at this point in my life, to be told what is on the approved reading list. I am very capable of judging ideas as ideas apart from the people who present them and deciding if they fit into my worldview or not. And I think other people probably would benefit from doing that because I think you know, we ended up cutting out a lot of the last episode because I, I I started mm-hmm. getting a little fired up but and and it just wasn't relevant really to the show. But at the end of the day, I do feel very strongly that even just with the movie, there have been a lot of points throughout the movie where people kind of were like. Sometimes, you know, with the best of intentions, basically tried to rub all the edges off of the movie and make it smooth Mm. and palatable. Mm -hmm. And ah, man, I just don't need. Well, let me bring it. Let me bring it even more specifically back to the point, John. I screened the movie this past week for a very small group of people. Yeah. And I chose those people because I felt like they were knowledgeable people who would understand where the movie is and be able to give thought provoking critique about the movie that they saw um, without getting too hung up on the details but also without just being negative you know to actually come up with solutions and the movie is two hours long I I showed it to them hold on. okay yeah yeah um before
0: you showed it to them you had a cut we, I think we got to systematically go. Well, through really this, quick, do you want
2: to, John? Do you want to speak to my? Um, oh yeah, the JP thing. Yeah my my uh, alt right tendencies that apparently are beginning <laughs> to emerge.
0: <laughs> um, you know, I anticipated that criticism, and we did discuss it. I would just say to anybody who feels that way: one, sounds like you don't know much about him; two, saying that somebody is in in X group, especially if that person does not define themselves in that group, is not a valid critique. Like if I just took some person that I didn't like and said they're a Nazi, that doesn't make them a Nazi. you know. But if you pointed out where they said, I agree with Hitler, I am a Nazi, then you got a different conversation. So if you think the guy's alt-right, go find where he said, yeah, I'm alt-right. Or find where he has said stuff that uh, aligns with the alt-right, whatever that even
1: is. The poorest person is as valuable as the king. It's like, how the hell did we ever figure that out? That's an impossible thing to think, and yet that's the, that's the bedrock of our legal system. That's nothing to be proud of. That's something to tremble before. To take on as a, an ethical burden. And not to wave a flag for how wonderful you are that you happen to have the same skin color as some of the people who thought that up. I feel like I have something to live up to That's not the same thing, man And so these right-wingers in this, it's like, look what we've done, it's like, no It's not you that did that That's something, man You You gotta have your act together before you would dare to say, well that was me It's like, yeah, sure, sure it was you Yeah, right No That's hard To stand up and take your place in that In that kind of historical process, that unlikely miraculous historical process the unearned gift that's been granted to you as a source of personal pride in your accomplishments due to your skin it's like no not good, not a good argument So, and that doesn't mean that well there's nothing valuable about European culture, there's plenty there's plenty about it that's valuable. It's not even so clear to what degree it's European. I mean, it came out of the Middle East, you know. There we go. Dispensed with the radical right wingers in 4 minutes.
0: I mean, I'm not even positive what that is,
2: but I
1: don't believe we'll it there.
2: And I guess yeah, and I guess like my final parting thought would be I don't read uh, writings by Thomas Jefferson and use it to interpret my perspective on racial like race relations. Right. Exactly. But, uh, but I do think that Thomas Jefferson has some really interesting ideas about how to organize a government that's for and by the people. So sure. you take that in context and you just don't, you just ignore the other shit because at the end of the day, being correct about everything is not a standard that any of us can be held to, you know? And I right, think the, right. the key is being willing to admit where you're wrong, which I think is something we've talked about a lot. Anyway, mm-hmm. you also miss out on a lot, a lot of good
0: stuff. I you know, this agree. Is I don't want to live in an happening. echo chamber. Yeah, I mean, if you only will listen to people that meet exactly your criteria for political correctness or political thought, you're you're gonna have an extremely small list of people, and it's gonna continue to dwindle as you find out more about those people, because who hasn't said something that they regret later or done something
2: that <clears throat> they regret? Right. Um, and I think even more importantly, doing things you regret is still even in a different category than saying things you regret. I, well, think that, sure. I think that there has been a little bit of an unhelpful conflation of action and thought. And I think mm-hmm. we have to hold people accountable for what they do, and in some cases what they say, but not every single case equally. You know, like we are reasoning human beings and I think we have, like, I, I just, I still get bummed about what happened with Aziz Ansari because I feel like that guy, I don't know what happened, but I think it seems like most people agree that what happened in response to what supposedly happened was ill-proportioned. And mm-hmm. that to me is a great example of like, he may have... Had certain, he, I don't know. I, I i just think like we just have to be reasonable. And I think that discounting someone's entire, like Garrison Keeler or other people, you know, discounting an entire body of work based on a couple passing comments is generally just not the best idea. You know, then we kind of have to throw out Freud and we have to throw out like all these other people who I think contributed a lot of things. Anyway, I'm going to get off my high horse now. Yeah, I'm
0: u- Uber, yeah. Uh, Freud wrote a book called Uber Coca which is a book about how great cocaine is. Mm. um, Yeah, big time into cocaine. Before it was, you know, a naughty drug. But also about, um, about JP and all these other guys, y- you just, you were going to lose, you're going to lose a lot of great stuff if you're like, this person has been put in a box that I disagree with, so I'm not going to listen to anything they say. Right. That that's not a great recipe for success. Well, life. there's a reason when you go to college, they make you read stuff that you disagree with. I took a class at a Christian college. I took a class on Nietzsche that was very neutral towards him. It just said, here's what he thought. And let's explore it. Nietzsche was a he he savaged the church and its hypocrisy that's how you get to the core of ideas. Right. So you don't just throw Nietzsche out. You don't burn it and say, well, I'm not even going to look at it. Cause he said something, you know, I saw a quote one time where he said, God is dead. So I'm done with him. Right. That's crazy. Right. You're missing out on everything. Right. Come on people. Pull your heads out of your
2: asses. Exactly. Well, yeah. I <clears> think anyway. at the end of the day, okay, so the point is don't sugarcoat me, bro. So I showed this movie and you know, yeah. I pulled them. Yeah. I think, I know you had a well, question. You, well, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. The question was just to frame this. You. You didn't just show this movie. You worked
0: on this for how long? The editing, like seven. Shot it. We talked all about that. You edited for seven weeks. You sent this to me. You were. What was your state of mind? Like, what was your feeling about this before you were going to show it? Tell us what was going on
2: then. Well, it's on the record to some extent too. I was feeling good. You know, we talked before. You felt confident,
0: I felt about, confident the,
2: about the, the product. Movie. Yeah,
0: I you watched two it. two hours. You thought it was good. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, So you assembled the people. I assembled the people. I sent it, it
1: out.
2: I sent it to you. I sent it to my dad. You know, my dad loved it. Mm-hmm. My dad's a very smart guy. Mm-hmm. He had critiques. So did my mom. You know, you can't, you can't trust your parents, though. They're biased. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I assembled some people, a few people that had been a part of the process since you know for a long time, and a few people who knew literally nothing about it at all. Yeah. Because I wanted kind of a spectrum of feedback. I think there were seven people. Mm-hmm. And um, Eric, our Eric Costello, our executive producer, financier, came out from New York. Like it was a hoot. We had a great time. Where'd you screen it? We, we screened it at my house. We've got a TV. I kind of, we have this little room that doesn't have any windows. Your house was in the movie, too. My house was in the movie. That was a little meta. It was weird. Who's at the screening? Who's at your house? Well, yeah. So uh, Eric, uh, Bryce McGuire, Grant Withington, and a few people who, you know, kind of didn't necessarily know much about the movie. Um, but were are in the film industry or? That are in the film industry, yes. Okay. Okay, so one of the first things I said was, I want you to try to watch the movie mm-hmm. as if it's a movie. You know, give it a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because that's how everyone else is going to be coming to it.
0: But and the reason you said that was because this is a rough cut. Yeah. And you're you're basically saying the sound's not yeah, perfect the sound's not there's going to be the, some issues. Yeah, like
2: there's not and and really what this comes down to is just because it's in this cut doesn't mean I like it. I think that's mm-hmm. the best way to put it. Just because it's in but this you cut You did like it. Well, I liked the overall experience. But I mm-hmm. don't okay, stand by I mean, dude, I was making edits to scenes until five minutes before I started the screening. So right. yep. it's not like I've poured over it and watched that draft many times. And it was anything. So was the thinking draft. was the thinking like, um, like assemble some rough
0: pieces and show them in the hopes that they'll say like, yeah, these characters are working well together, or this isn't working. Is that kind of the yeah? Process? But I mean, I
2: definitely did more than assemble some rough pieces. Like it was a a true rough cut in the sense that it's heavily edited, but still mm-hmm. rough. Okay, so you assemble everybody. Yeah, so I assemble everybody, and I kind of told them like, there are two. You know, the, and, and what I said beforehand was I said, look, I'm committed to this movie. I think I said this to you. I'm committed to this movie. The only thing, the only way. That I will consider this screening a major disappointment is if I leave with ambiguous an ambiguous feeling or sense of what you all think of the movie. Um, mm. Because I need, I, I don't need you necessarily to come up with a plan for me because that's my job. Again, back to the sort of our job as humans is not to be spoon fed an ideology. That does not work. We have already been mm. through that so many times. The church does it. Communism does it. Everybody, fascism does it. They all do it. Every major totalitarian regime has always thrived on the ability to to spoon feed people things and to get them to stop thinking for themselves. And I think to some mm. extent making a creative movie is all about the process of listening to extremely different opinions and different ideas about how the movie could or should be better starting with the pitch and then the script and then the casting and all that kind of stuff. And the director slash producers job is to take all of that and to synthesize it into the movie that is actually going to get made, you know? And so I was kind of like, don't hold back, don't sugarcoat, don't caveat because I don't need halfway opinions. I need hot takes because I got to decide at the end of the day what to do. And so I really urged everybody not to be too nice. Um, If somebody's like, yeah, it was good that you can't work with that. No, no, that's the most somebody to say,
0: I hated this character or I loved this thing. Yeah, that's the info that you can take and transfer to. A better product, right?
2: And right? Th- yeah, and and here's the thing. I'll do a little bit of, lar- you know, higher level kind of big picture look at what a rough cut usually is. It's almost always a major disappointment. Um, mm. Almost always. I, I don't personally know anyone who screened a rough cut and it went well. Um, and spoiler alert: this one, one didn't go so well. You know, like there were <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> spoiler. Alert. I want to. Um, I want to read some things that I wrote. While I was sitting outside. But I'll wait for that. Um, okay. basically what happens though is I said, you know, this is the situation. I want hot takes. If you love it, I still want to know how it could be better. You know, I still want to know right. what's wrong with it. And you got to know what they loved. And I got to know what they love. So we, so, you know, Bryce and I built this like questionnaire. I actually should send this to you. You know, we built out this questionnaire. Mm. We had everybody fill it out. Um, You know, we're really getting real feedback starting now. And we're going to continue to test right. it until it premieres um Hmm. you know and so so yeah what's the feeling is it kind of like releasing your child
0: into the wild or something what's the feeling of turning this on for five to ten people and did you sit through the whole thing you sat with them and watched it with them yeah
2: and again spoiler alert sitting there for two hours watching them watch the movie slash watching it myself was without a doubt top three most excruciating professional experiences of my life. It was mm. absolutely stomach gut-wrenching. It was awful to sit there and watch it, specifically because within 10 minutes of the movie starting, it's like mm. I was watching it with a completely different set of glasses on. It was just... yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll preview i wrote a lot of things um mm-hmm. i'll read one of them that i find helpful did you write this okay so yeah i after... should specify um i invited everybody in and i said look i want you to talk i'm gonna set this so the movie ends i knew very quickly that i uh, so i wrote this right when i went outside i knew within 20 minutes of starting the movie that i would need to slash and burn this thing
0: not literally to you just, mean oh wait are you reading I'm what reading, you're writing i'm right writing am
2: writing. I'm reading what I wrote. I'm sorry. No, 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 okay, it's fine. Oh, I'm done with that chunk. So basically what happened is I, I screened the movie and then I said at the end, I was like, look, if, I'm willing to stay, but I want you guys to have the most honest conversation possible. And if if any of you would feel more comfortable shredding the movie, I will leave the room for as long as it takes. And gotcha. I ended up leaving the room. A few people were like, yeah, I mean, I don't mind you being here, but I feel like we can speak more openly. So I set a recorder down. I said, look, I'm sure. going to record it. I'll be outside. They talked for an hour and a half. And I sat hmm. outside writing the entire time because I was freaking out. I felt like I had yeah. So 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 John, the the to answer your previous question, um I knew it, there were problems, which is why I was doing this screening. I knew that. Um mm-hmm. I think right. I didn't realize well, I don't want to get to the diagnosis yet because I feel like there's still a lot more context to offer, um, but I did I did relatively mm-hmm. quickly kind of diagnose what I think was going on. And again, spoiler, the good news is everyone who watched it unanimously agreed on the feedback about what the path forward should be, including myself, which is what I wrote down while I was outside, while they were talking. Independently. Yeah. Basically, everyone independently without speaking filled out their anonymous questionnaires mm-hmm. And then they spoke as a group for an hour and a half and came out with uh, a bit of a consensus. Not necessarily a roadmap, but like this is what we're not digging about it. And it I haven't had an extended conversation with any of them yet because I immediately left the next morning for San Francisco, sure. which is where I just got back from. And it was... So anyway, I but I think... So the reason I knew within 20 minutes is I just saw... I leaned over to Bryce and I said probably 40 minutes in, I said it it, it is terrifying to me how clear my vision of this movie is because there's no doubt in my mind that certain things just have to go. And in some cases, really, really good stuff. You know, and Mm -hmm. I want to get back to that. Um, But that was really hard because the, the experience is a little bit like... It's a little bit like stripping all your clothes off in front of some people you don't know and asking them to like examine you and put things like in your ears uh. and be like, you know, to like poke you and like pull your, you know, hair and like look at your butthole like real close and just be like, ooh, it's kind of dirty and like there's too much hair down here. And I'm just like, oh, I know I asked for this, but this is so brutal, you know, and I'm doing that. I'm watching the movie, sitting there the whole time. All I wanted to do the whole time was jump up and be like, I swear, I know this is bad, too. I know this isn't where it is. I, I Like, I <laughs> yeah. wanted to apologize the whole time. I want to be like, I, 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 know, I right. know this isn't where it needs to be. Trust me. No, I but can't, you can't do that. undermines everything. You can't everything, apologize. Right? You, I cannot right. do that. I have to get untainted feedback. That's not a pride issue.
0: Yeah, that's not a pride issue either. It's really, you, you put people in a really uncomfortable position if you start exactly. apologizing. And yeah, you're not going to get great feedback. It's sort of, I don't want to say manipulative, that's too strong. But um, yeah, I talked to somebody who told me a story about one of their screenings. And, you know, it mm-hmm. didn't go great and it was gut-wrenching and all this stuff and he was the, this person was talking about apologizing to people and now this was years ago and they're looking back saying like how mm. crazy that was and how it put all these people in an awkward position Yeah.
2: No, so, I mean and I I'm thankful that I had the presence of mind to not do that. Um So you just sat there like stone cold watched this. Yep. You set up the recorder and then I left. You left. And you wrote down, and then everyone apparently texted me to tell me that they were done, but I didn't see it, so they all just left. So I was, yeah. So I didn't even talk to anybody except Bryce and Grant afterwards. So it was, it was tough, man. Like it was really hard because I've just worked so hard on this thing for so long. Yeah. Spoilers over. Whatever. Fuck it. We'll just get into it. the The consensus was. There's a really, really good movie in here. The the next stage of that consensus was agreeing pretty much, it sounds like, and again, I haven't reviewed the feedback in detail, but agreeing agreeing on what needs to go, I guess, is the concise way of putting it. Mm -hmm. And again, in some cases, stuff that is very good on its own, but doesn't make the movie better. And so I, I boiled all of that down a few days later, which was now a couple days ago. So this was late last week. Um, I boiled all of this down into sort of a Yoda style one sentence takeaway. Nice. Which is good scenes do not a good movie make. That was what I came away with. Meaning. Yeah. Yeah. I even said this um, at different times. I felt at times like I was making a bunch of short films because that's my only framework for understanding this. Mm, okay. And I knew right deep down that I was making a movie and I continued to make a movie, but I think I got very seduced. Yeah, man, it was tough. It was really, really hard. I, I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you a few, few other things that I wrote. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you know i I immediately kind of started trying to diagnose what was going on, not surprisingly. Um, right. one of the things I said is it feels flat, it feels boring. It feels like the movie is stuck between the movie I wanted to make and
1: mm-hmm. the movie
2: that I had the time and money to make and If you remember, that right. was my biggest fear that was yeah. what I almost killed the movie for back in the fall is I did not want to get stuck, and I know we have a lot of new listeners um I really recommend going back and listening to the Is Roller's Dead series. I think it will shed a lot of light. Um, I know there's a lot of episodes, and I know we yak a lot. But I think Mm. those episodes...
0: That's for sure. Yeah, I
2: think those episodes will really shed a lot of light on exactly how we got to this point. Those are some that I'm really proud of. Um, Yeah. I also said... Hold on. I also said... (laughs) I hate to say this because I know it's not true, but I feel like a failure. I feel like this. I let this movie get away from me during production. Um, I feel like this is a great example of the type of experience that has taught me to always hedge my bets, to always be careful, to never put myself out there, to never get my hopes up and to never trust anyone. That's how I was feeling at the moment. Um, Wow. I I also wrote, so I feel like I threw myself against this movie like the Ents threw themselves against Orthanc. Major Lord of the Rings nerd reference, but basically I feel like I ran as fast as I could at a wall. That's what I, I then specified. And the wall just didn't move and i turned into a splattered blotch of nothing because like i'm sitting there looking at three years of work that i just consumed in two hours yeah and it sucked so i'm thinking like what the fuck did i just do for three years i mean obviously i've been done plenty of other things but like sure of course Ooh, it was dark dude it was it was uh it was dark it was a dark time in the brain of zay smallman um but john i don't want to dwell but, I, and I, this yeah well, go ahead. I i
0: just want to interrupt and say i think this is is this is tough dude like i knew obviously i knew all of this because we talked about it and my criteria i've said this on the show a billion times like me personally as a friend you're already it it doesn't matter you're already a success i really believe that and i mean that on a personal level but also like professionally and then as a man dude when you you texted me right at the end of the screening and you said pretty much kind of what you're saying now like the screening was bad yeah did this did
2: not work like i had thought it did not work like i had right. it in my head i foolishly Went into this thing thinking, I'm going to be the guy who doesn't have a shitty first screening. I'm going to be the guy (laughs) who prepped so well and was so hard on himself and already killed so many of his darlings, which I have done. I've already, going into this screening, I already cut some painful scenes. And going into the editing, I already cut painful scenes in production and going into production yeah. i had already cut painful scenes in the script so i'm like what the fuck is left to cut you mean painful in the sense that they're good you don't yeah. want to take them out yeah they're, they're not good. painful because they're not good to watch no, right. good as it painful as in this is better than most other things that i've written and now it's not good enough so i gotta get right. rid of it you know because the purpose really is
0: a complete movie that tells a story exactly and so even if you have something that's like awesome but it's peripheral and it doesn't tie in you have to get rid of it and i would imagine that's excruciating dude i make these stupid little edits at the beginning of these shows i make like a right couple dozen of them a month and when i have to cut out something that i think is funny it even if it's like three seconds it pains me you know yeah um but what i was gonna say about all this because th- this is there is a huge but here i think yeah and that really is the most important thing of this dude is that if you had texted me, I really had this thought. I woke up to those texts that seemed almost despondent. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, the the measure of success right now to me, for you as a person, is if you take this situation and not say, I fucked up. I ruined this. I'm done mm. or like whatever. You know, it, it is what it is, whatever. If you did that that would be a huge failure. Yeah. But if you got up from this, saw the flaws naked in front of everybody, and instead of packing up your toys and going home, you say, I know I can do this. You stand up, you dust yourself off and you move forward. It does. I don't even have to see what you do next. You're already a success again. I mean, this is really the measure like professionally or whatever, whoever's going to review this movie, you know, that's a separate thing to me. If you dust yourself off, get up on that horse and keep going, you won. Thanks man. So, now we got a big butt here. And the butt is there's a there's a path forward. Right. Right. And what is it?
2: Well, yeah. So, I I sat there and I think at first I was just bummed and, and hated myself. I, I literally, I hated myself for making a bad movie and I hated myself for the way that myself, my, I basically, basically what I, what, what what was so hard about it is that what I've been loving about this movie all along is the way that it reflects things that i care about and things that Mm. i and that i struggle with and so when it doesn't work it feels intensely personal it's not based on some book that somebody else wrote i have nothing wrong with Mm. that i would love to direct a movie one day that's based on some book that somebody else wrote but this is not that you've said it from the beginning like if the movie's great I get a lot of credit for that. And if it's terrible, there's not a lot of people to blame. And I understand that, you know, and yeah, and that's so scary. It's very scary. And I think, so this is another thing I wrote. I, um, I said yesterday I was passionately bitching. I can't remember if it was you or Bryce about somebody involved with the project. And I said, I think they forgot what movie we set out to make. I literally said this on this. I think I said this on the 16th. I screened the movie on the 17th. And then Mm. I wrote, The irony. So then I start coming around, John. I paused for a while, and I was just in the pit of despair. And I was like, I literally wrote, I don't think I should make another movie. I think I I left that room thinking, just like you predicted, I wrote, I don't think this movie is good enough for me to justify as a producer placing another bet on myself. I think I should bet on other people who are more talented and clearly are are more skilled. Because this isn't this isn't a good enough product, right? I want to pause right there yeah. though, and say, even
0: that sentiment, dude, as dark as you might think that sounds, that doesn't sound that dark to me. That almost mm. sounds like um <laughs> already I see the seed of you know this didn't seem to work. I'm gonna try something else. Mm. you know, and if the other thing is uh, you know, get somebody else to do it, but be involved in the process. I, that's not a failure either. I'm not saying you should right. do that. I don't think you should. But if you decided to do that, that's also a success. I would deem a failure if you're selling real estate in Santa Fe in a month. Right. Yeah. No, that would be a bummer.
2: Don't be too hard on yourself well, here, cowboy. Thanks, man. So <laughs> um, I I think this is also an interesting window. This is one of the first things I wrote that night. So I said, I knew within 20 minutes of starting the movie that I would need to slash and burn this thing. It needs to be shed of the annoyingly heavy shell and be a light comedy again. Mm -hmm. Not a worthless comedy, not a comedy that says nothing, but a light, tight movie. That was what it was always intended to be. It was never supposed to be a heavy existential drama. That was my pride. What's that? Told me originally. I thought you said
0: originally you were going to make an alt-right comedy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Coming full circle, man. No wonder it's bad. I, I it's, it's fucking socialist garbage. We don't even know what alt-right is. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, so that was what it was supposed to be. It was never supposed to be a big, heavy ex- existential drama. That was my pride telling me that I'm a GD prophet. <laughs> GD stands I think- for goddamn prophet. That, that was my pride telling me that I'm a prophet and the world needs to sit patiently and listen to my message because it's so important. But you know what? This movie is too big for its britches. It's too heavy for its frame. It would have worked maybe if I had had the time and unlimited resources, but I bit off more than I can chew. I wanted it all. I wanted to make Boogie Nights with a hundredth of the budget and no time. And I also have never made a movie and P.T. Anderson is A, a genius and had made multiple movies before that. What was I thinking? Pride comes before the fall. Here's the beauty of this. I can say all of this confidently and without reservation and without even feeling like I'm going to undermine the future of the movie. Because again, to skip way ahead, the the, the, the lesson of this is that the movie in its current form, all of those things are true. But the movie that I set out to make is still there. It is still present. And all I have to do, I honestly think I can have another cut done in like three days. And I think it's going to be a completely Mm. different movie because literally Mm. all I have to do at this point is carve off a bunch of stuff that feels superfluous and get back to the original story. And it's going to hurt because I love all that shit that I'm going to have to cut. They're really good scenes. They're really good character arcs, but they cannot be, the movie is not, even P.T. Anderson looks back at movies like Magnolia and it's like, it's too big. It's too big. There's too many stories. I can't focus. Mm. And he's right. It's too damn long. And, and, and this is, and so like, I think I feel very confident about that. And um, so I was, I was saying, you know, this person that I was bitching about forgot the movie we set out to make. And it dawned on me later, the irony of the statement leaves a massive pit in my stomach I'm such a fool because I was the one who forgot the movie we're making, not her. You know what, fuck it. This is Tara. I was bitching about Tara because Tara was basically watching the same cut that I watched, but with different glasses. And she said, Zay, this isn't the movie that we set out to make. It's too heavy. It's too dark. It doesn't do what you wanted to do. You wanted to make a fun movie that says a lot, but it's sneaky. You didn't want to hit people over the head with a fucking sledgehammer. And she was right. And I was then on the phone with you bitching about how Tara forgot that we're making this big blah, 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 blah. And so kudos to Tara yet again, because what I said is she wants the movie to be fun and loving and beautiful and simple. But at some point I decided to try to make Boogie Nights again. Um, (laughs) This statement was clearly a projection onto Tara about the realization that my subconscious had led me to make a movie that I never actually agreed to make. Yeah. And I couldn't and I then wrote, I couldn't give rollers up. I couldn't give up the version that deep down I knew it was impossible to make, the one that I tried to kill in November, but actually left alive. I held on to it and last night I watched myself murder the last remaining fantasy about making any movie other than the one I originally set out to make. I sat in pain and agony of being wrong, looking like a fool, not only in that room, but I know in front of more than a thousand podcast listeners who I'm now admitting all of this to. But this is what I signed up for. I asked to be a serious artist. I asked to be judged by the absolute highest standards, and I was, and I was found lacking. And that's where I—that's not where I left it, though, John. Because what I then decided, to your point, is that I'm going to get back on the damn horse, and I'm going to not be a little baby about it. Because there's no time for that. There's just no time, you know.
0: Nope. Also, dude, props, props to Tara. But of course, Prop, Tara's the and best.
2: I, you know, I was so freaking mad at tara because she was bursting my bubble but you know what she's right she's fucking right yep also though
0: props to you for realizing that apologizing and
2: being a man about it thanks that's
0: not easy to do appreciate
2: it so so i have some thoughts on on how to move forward john including just being brutal one of them, so I I, I I, thought this was kind of a, it's funny, I actually only thought of the story because some good friends of ours from college, Shelby and Brian Simons, were in town. They were visiting some family, and they came by to see us. We hung out for the day. And I remembered, out of the blue, a story um, that, from college, we were playing intramural volleyball. Yeah. And Shelby was on my team. And she blocked a spike, and her middle finger got hideously dislocated. <laughs> just popped out completely at a 90 degree angle it was so disgusting and everybody was freaking out and i'm not saying this is a self-congratulatory thing i just had been in this situation before so everybody's like we got to take her to the er she was freaking out and i was like all right calm down and i pulled shelby into an office with a couple people and i was like look shelby i know you're in excruciating pain but if you go to the er you will be in excruciating pain for at least another hour and a half And then all they're going to do is what I can do in this office right now. If you let me, I'm going to pop your finger back in a joint because I can tell that all that that's all that needs to happen now. Yeah. And the worst that happens is you still go to the ER, but trust me, it's going to hurt a lot less. So she let me do it. She didn't fight me. She just fucking did it. And within three minutes, her hand was a little sore, but she was fine. Right. And I think I realized, Yeah. well, I realized I thought about that story while I was sitting outside because they had come right before the screen, like a couple of days before the screen. I was sitting outside on the porch moping and I thought to myself, I know myself, I know that I'm going to end up doing what I need to do because I've worked too yep. fucking hard on this movie to let it go. And so I decided at that moment, while they were all still talking, I was like, I'm not going I'm going to let myself be sad about this as I need to be sad, but I'm not going to let them waste even one minute trying to make me feel better because I need them. I need me to start on the path to getting this thing right immediately. I just see a lot of creatives do this. It's very typical. And I understand you, you have now all seen a window into what it's like to feel super shitty after you put your work out there, if you didn't already know, which most people listen to this have been in some situation like that, whether it's a rejection from a woman or a guy you're into or from anything, you know, the rejection is a, is a common experience. But I think specifically with creative, where you're committing to this sort of final product more so than to, um, your feelings. (sighs) There's something about it where you, you kind of just have to decide going in, there are three paths I can take. I was sitting there thinking like, I have three options. I started thinking about this story with Shelby and I thought, I have three options for how to move forward with this project. My finger, my movie, is completely disjointed, but it is still there. It's still like the bone may be broken, but I I Mm. decimated my body. Like I am still here. I still exist. The movie that I want still exists. And I can either sit out here and wait for everyone to come out and find me and pat me on the back and be like, Zay, it's going to be okay. And mope for who knows how long Eventually, get back mm. to it. Option two. And they're you know, the, the, the finger analogy being they're going to take me to the hospital and a doctor will fix it. Right. Option two. Right. Is I can do that process more quickly, you know, because I think at a lot, a lot of points it's like, I'll spend the weekend being sad. And then I'll get back to it. But it's like, that's still wasted time in my mind. The third option is Mm -hmm. I'm sitting on the porch looking at my dislocated finger. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking reset this thing right now. I'm going to do it myself because I don't need anybody else to reset it for me. And so I did. And I just wrote for the other half of the time about A, what I want to do differently and what I can learn from this experience. And it was really therapeutic. And I walked back in and talked to the people that were still there And it was really positive. I think they were frankly kind of expecting me to be a total wreck. And I was like a little bit shaken up, but I was also like, you know what? I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to mess this movie up because I don't have time to fuck around with any other option. You know, like I have other projects that I want to make. So you know what? I'm not going to spend a month being a little bitch about this one. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to make it amazing. And then I'm going to move on with my life, you know, because people need to see it. So anyway, that's my like pep talk. I I love it, dude. I mean, I th-
0: about the finger analogy. My wife just told me about a kid at her school who got his fingers, all of his fingers except his thumb, cut off in a lawnmower accident. Oh, wow. That's horrible. Like a- just a few days ago, I think. And ah. he- the kid stopped the mower, pulled his fingers out of the mulching bag yeah. took his fingers to the hospital and they reattached
2: them. i um have no category not sure that. there's an no, that's, in there, but that kid is the new patron saint of this podcast baby hey kid from school in chattanooga big up i hope you're listening shout out to you baby that was badass pretty gnarly um that's bad to the bone no pun intended
0: when i was in chattanooga myself sitting here and I got your text the next morning that were, like I said, yep. kind of despondent. I did that math in my head and I was like, I really hope say dust himself off. And I sent you some text to that effect. And I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't dealing with somebody who was sulking and pouting. Like you definitely were shaken up by the experience. And I think appropriately. So in the sense that you realize like you saw it right. through the audience's eyes and you realized immediately, Yeah, I got to change this. And I, first of all, I think that's great because if you had gone into that screening and you said, you know what, this does work. Screw all you guys. That would be a disaster, yeah. I think.
2: No, it could have led to months yeah. of uh, ch- tail chasing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That to me is the, I'm, t- I'm. yeah, literally that process can often last for months. Sometimes in my case, I have final cut over this movie So in theory, I could put out a shitty movie and no one could do a damn thing about Mm -hmm. it. And there are a lot of people who I've watched people go through that process. And you know what? They end up on the festival circuit with a movie they don't like. I've seen it happen. Years of hatred of that movie. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Right. And like a black, almost like a black mark that follows you, you know, at least in your mind. Um, Mm -hmm. But- you know, dude, not to be overly like pat you on the back here, but you, you, I think you came here, you bared your soul. This is not easy to do to say, yo, I've, i the last week when we talked, you know, people heard it and you were talking very confidently. And now to go from that to this takes huge Thanks, brass man. balls. It just does. So proud of you for that. And Frankly, I think it means you're gonna have a much better movie. If you had presented a media like a not a mediocre, if you had presented a passable, like pretty good cut and you got some just generally like, yeah, it's good. You're not gonna make the strongest thing you can. I think you had to come with a product that wasn't quite ready and then have it not savaged, but you had to have it, you know, strongly critiqued. It was flayed so that you could see. It was played open. You had to have it. You had to have that skin ripped off to see, yeah, to have this realization. And I think even the the phrase you wrote, it's too big for its frame. Hmm. That's a great line. And it's something that I think a lot of people would have a hard Hmm. time seeing. Thanks, man. So kudos to you for all of that. And now, right now, you got to tell the people what your next step is.
2: All right, I will. I... I want to, I want to wrap this up cause I was just looking on my desk and I saw, so I, I take my fortune cookies very seriously. I can't remember how much I've talked about yeah. that, but I've been getting a lot of fortune cookies. They're not all winners, but some of them really make sense. And you know what, John, I got this fortune cookie. I wish I had written down the exact date, but I got this fortune cookie within about a week of that screening. Okay. A smooth before, or after. Uh, before. Okay. They always come a little bit before but right close enough for me to understand what they really mean cuz some of these things like they're some of these a lot of these fortunes I've gotten um people you know I'll show them to people and they're like oh that's cute and I'm like no 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 this means something this somehow is actually capturing a pretty major truth in my life right now in a way that maybe if I wasn't in this moment in my life it would be a lot less relevant I got this fortune cookie and I just remembered this 5 minutes ago a smooth mm. sea never made a skillful mariner. Whew. dang! Yeah,
0: it's so true. I yeah. mean, and again, not to go way back, but this—it's a JP thing. I mean, how you—if you are never tested, right. if you're never tried, you know—in the Bible, is the the crucible yeah. is the—you know—a crucible is a place where impurities mm. are taken out of metals yeah. by putting it through extreme heat and it's a metaphor for our find me you find find a child out there who has not gone through hard stuff has not been corrected and you're gonna have a terrible adult
2: Mm, i know it's so true It's
0: just reality
2: well you know john we were just texting today about people who made our lives much more difficult than they needed to be the antagonists of our adolescence let's call them um, of which there were many for me, and probably many for you, and probably a lot for our listeners. That's amphetamine. <laughs> no, but I think you know what I was saying. I was saying about one friend of mine who actually gets a, a, a reference in the movie um, at towards the end. Mm. Um, I'm not going to say exactly who or what, but I, I specifically referenced this person in the movie because it was so true to my own experience. Rufus says, "You know, I don't realize. I don't think I realized until a couple years ago that those guys were constantly just beating the shit out of me." You know, and Jane says, how do you not realize if someone's beating the shit out of you? And Rufus thinks about it for a second. He says, because I thought I was having fun too. And I think that that's a little bit of a different idea in certain senses, but I think I'm beginning to understand how I can both value those experiences that I had of being bullied and, and borderline tortured in certain situations. to become a better person. I don't like that that happened, but I am at a point in my life where I'm facing a lot of um, past adversity, both this movie being not as good as I want, which I can't imagine a more privileged adversity to be facing, down to just basic psychological struggles that I've discussed and stuff that are less sort of related to my privilege and my ability to have a cool career and more just like human shit. And you know what I'm realizing? Yeah, to your point, I don't want the easy path. You know, I'm I'm over that. I don't want a movie that mm. I can make good on the first try, because that's not a good enough movie. You know, like I've said it from the beginning, I don't want to make an easy good movie. I want to make a really good movie. I want to make a really excellent movie, and those hurt. You know, and this one hurts <laughs> a lot. Um, oh. But the next one, you know what? The next step is I am taking my time. I'm letting the pain sink in um, because I think the reality is I can be, I can have balls and I can, um, I can, I can be bold and I can move forward boldly, but that doesn't mean I should ignore the pain because I think the more I can sit in the pain for a while, it's like this massage guy I go to in, in Monterey park, which is this, amazing chinese city down to the southeast of our of of here i I go down there all the time Mm. not all the time but i've been to this guy liu several times Mm. liu's my man i walk in and liu he saw me the first day he walked he was like that guy that whitey is here at this chinese massage place because he knows what he wants and it's not what some people are thinking he wants to get shredded on this table and he went to town. He, and every time I go in, he goes. And he's like laughing because he's basically trying to hurt me. But I know that I need to just sit through it because when I leave there, I feel like a new person. And yeah, that's what I'm committing. I'm committing to sitting. I want so badly, dude. I wanted so badly, for instance, to cancel my, my San Francisco trip and to dive into this edit and to make it right because I can't stand the idea that the only form the movie exists in is one that I don't like. That is a painful thought for me, but you know what? I got to let it sit. I got to let it sit for even a couple more days because the truth is the more I let it sit, the more distance I can get from it. And when I finally go in there, it will be like doing surgery on something else, something other than me. Mm. But doing surgery on it over the weekend would have been like cutting myself open again. And dude, cutting myself open being too close to the project is exactly what got me into this fucking mess in the first place not that it's a mess I did exactly the cut that I needed to do I stand by the cut that I did because I need to get it out of my system but I have to come at it as director producer Zay editor Zay not writer creative baby boy Zay you know like I'm putting on a different hat and it and, and it takes a second you know it takes a second to change that mindset but that's the next step is I gotta I gotta continue to sit in the discomfort for another day or two and then I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna slash and burn that thing and I'm gonna get it from two hours to 90 minutes and it's gonna be a fucking badass movie it's not gonna be done but I'm gonna rage on that thing
0: what's your um, what's your biggest fear about this project going forward oh baby
2: my biggest fear hands down and I, I discussed this with Bryce and Grant right after and they kind of put me mm. put me at ease you know they, i said look my biggest fear is that by cutting out some of the superfluous stuff that i will lose the rough edges that make this movie different from every other movie and that it will that it mm. will become a a a boring rote indie comedy and that is not what i set out to make and i do not want to live with that movie for the rest of my life um yeah. and that is still it's it's a concern to be aware of, I'll put it that way. But they they and I think again with more distance I have begun to recognize that me making a movie that feels singular, that feels different, that feels like a movie that I can stand behind less is more, you know? And at the end of the day like I actually I know exactly what character arcs and what ideas and what themes I want to communicate through this movie. Um, And there are others that came up during production and came up during the edit and all these little moments that I'm obsessed with. I love these little looks and these little nonverbal things. And I build entire parts of scenes around these little things that to be honest, no one else is even noticing because they're bored. They're fucking bored. And so I have to get back to the point where I'm watching the movie like everybody else. And I've said this. I said this even in the last episode. I cannot make the excuse that like I'm only bored because I've seen it before. Because I have yeah. to put on the audience's glasses and I have to watch it. And, and you know what? They can't keep track of every single tiny nuance of every character's relationship with every other character. That's not how movies work. This is not a TV show. I have to find the most distilled version of this movie, and I got to get it down to that. And the beauty of that is is that it still looks the way it looks. It still has the people in it that it always has, It still has the jokes that I love. It still has the place that I designed. It still has the feeling and the music. It still has all of that. It just has a little bit less stuff on it. But you know what? That's a good thing because if it's too much stuff, you can't walk it like, you know, I know this lady, she has this big old beautiful house, but you can't even see the house because there's so much shit in it. And you can't even see the shit in the house because there's so much shit. She has nice shit. It's not even like she's a hoarder. It's nice shit, and it's a beautiful house. But you can't see either because all you see is piles of stuff. And I honestly think that I got really excited about my piles of stuff specifically because I have been living in the house for so long that I forgot that the house is beautiful.
0: I think it would be a shame, and I, I really mean this, when you just said the line that I remembered, ironically, from the script, but I, w- I was thinking, I don't remember that actually being in the movie, was the line you just said about bullying, yeah. where he says, I thought I was having fun too. It's a great line. It's a great dis- distillation of an experience that a lot of people, like I wasn't bullied in school, but I saw kids get bullied, and I'm i i am am familiar with that concept and that, that line, that idea – hits Mm. home to people and it's it'll be a shame if that got lost in the shuffle because that's a massive
2: part of the movie to me and it comes at a really important moment and i don't think you're the only one who missed it um there was even a point where that wasn't in the cut because i was distracted with a bunch of other shit you know so i'm actually the truth is i'm i'm really pumped man i'm i'm excited to i don't want to overstate it but i'm excited to free the original story from some of the trappings that I got seduced by. Um, Because the truth is if it's good and if it's simple and singular, then I'll make another one. You know, I actually legitimately have a sequel in mind and it's not even a sequel. Like, let me just make a big cinematic universe. I'm just like, damn, there's some other good characters and I really want to see them in some different situations, you know, like that would be fun. Um, And so, you know what? I got to trust that, I don't know man it's there's a lot of there's a lot of comps you know it's like cooking um more seasoning Mm -hmm. does not necessarily make a dish better if you Mm -hmm. got a good steak put a little butter a little salt a little pepper on it and eat that thing don't smother it in barbecue sauce you dumb dumb you know
0: although i do like a little spice like a hemingway for instance Little too sparse for I me. don't
2: even know what a Hemingway is, you food. We should do an episode of Cooking Cooking no, no, and no, Stuff no, with no, John author. and Zay. Oh, you're talking about er, you're talking <laughs> You're talking about the author of Hemingway. I was, yeah. A little too sparse mm, for my taste, You like the flourish. But... I like a lot No, I do too. Flourish. That's why there's a lot of flourish in the movie, which to Bryce's point. Right. Bryce, Bryce, this was Bryce, you're gonna hear this. This was a little bit maybe too harsh for me at that particular moment. Um, but it was, it was heard and it stuck. Um, <laughs> Bryce. I, okay. So I've just been decimated. I've just been kicked multiple times in the testicles and I'm just cowering on the floor. Mm. Like, like just, just dying. Right. And, um, but I know I got to get up and I'm like struggling to my feet. Right. And Bryce kind of, you know, he comes over, he says, you know what, dude, the good news is like the stuff that you love about it. This was when he He said, the stuff you love about it, it's still going to be there. It just won't be so, you know. And he does a jerk off motion.
1: Like,
2: it won't be like, let me spray my shit everywhere. Like, I was like, dude, too soon. (laughs) But he's right. He's right. He's right. He's right.
0: Wow. He's right. I'm so proud of you for coming on and talking about this. It's tough. It's not easy to lay yourself bare like this, dude. But I think you're gonna have a much better product. I think we're we're, you're going in a great
2: direction, dude. Well, I'm excited too. And on that
0: note.